We have Laura Bell Bundy here. I am so happy you're here. You know, you belong here. <laughs> I've wanted to have you on this podcast for a long, long time. I first became aware of you maybe 10 years ago, maybe, probably, uh, because of the the videos that you put out. And I knew that you existed because of um, Legally Blonde mm-hmm. on Broadway. Did you originate that role? I did. You originated it. Had you done Broadway before that? Yes. Uh, my uh, first Broadway show, I was in the original cast of Hairspray. I played the villain, uh, Amber Von Uh-huh. And then I did Wicked. I was uh-huh. Kristen Chenoweth's standby. Wow. And then a few years later, I did uh, Legally Blonde. But I'd, I'd done theater. I did this off-Broadway show called Ruthless as yes. a Child. Ruthless, yeah. And um, and I developed that as well. So um, oh, so you were the first? I was the first Ruthless little oh, girl. Oh, my goodness. I was the first child murderer. Oh, my <laughs> God. And, and so, and you know... First of all, I want to ask about doing a show like that. What ha- what that does to your voice night after night? Do you do you have any close calls with that kind oh, of stuff? With Legally Blonde, what, with, with any, any of the show? Broadway shows? Um, you know, as a little kid, nothing. You know, because you're just you're screaming to the rafters, yeah. and you don't you don't really have any repercussions from that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you could, but I didn't mm-hmm. at that time. But definitely with Legally Blonde, because um, not only were was I I never left the stage I was Mm -hmm. constantly singing Mm -hmm. um or speaking Mm -hmm. and then you add up and how you know like you press and everything you have to do and all the outside obligations in addition to the show there were the there were so many things that could have been a struggle for me Mm -hmm. physically and the one thing that was really only the struggle for me was how I was going to maintain singing how how did you maintain the singing oh my god i mean like the craziest stuff did you do vocal rest and I, all that i i would yeah towards the end i really could not talk during the day before mm-hmm. a show and then i would warm my voice up like two hours before the show and do the show mm-hmm. and speak a little after the show and then shut it down mm-hmm. um how long did that go on for of sh- of singing having and shutting to do it down? yeah Ooh, um that felt like that was like a Maybe six months. Yeah. The last wow. six months of the show. And the first sort of year year or so of like in rehearsals, taking out of town, mm-hmm. going on the road, I was okay. I would have moments that if it got really bad, like I knew when to be quiet or mm-hmm. uh, go to the doctor or whatever. But you really do have to be careful because there is a, <laughs> there is a general uh, feeling around um, Broadway about... Um, the strong do not call out, uh-huh, right? Uh-huh. And I had done uh, hairspray with Harvey Firestein, who uh-huh. definitely was like he never called out. Yeah, like, yeah. So, and I, I just grew up around people who didn't call out. Yeah. So I didn't call out, sure. and that kind of caught up with me uh-huh. when you know I would the show must go on, it must always go on, and um, I was t- twenty seven years old, and I, I think I should have probably called out more. Yeah. yeah. But, um, you know, I had some vocal damage and I ended up getting vocal surgery, oh but it goodness. wasn't until like, you know, it was, I got vocal surgery like two years ago. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Did you, you see Dr. Nassar? What's his name out here? The, he's the one who does everyone for Rihanna to oh. Streisand. Was it not Nassar? Michelle knows. Um, I, I actually, I went to see him once and he had pictures of Everyone you can imagine <laughs> on the wall. Who, who did you trust to, to do it? I went to Steven Zytel's. 
he's in Boston. He did Adele surgery. Uh, um, he did a lot of other people's, and I don't know if I'm able yeah, to yeah, right, name, right, yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. Um, and he did a beautiful job, and he gave me back the wow. the the ability to effortlessly sing because I'm a girl again. Right, totally, totally. <laughs> I was it was I was singing yeah. and I was still doing music and I was in Nashville and I was touring, but it required effort. Yeah. You know, I if I if I had like a like a hard show where the sound was bad, like I couldn't sing the next day. Mm-hmm. Um and now, I I didn't want to do that. Let me ask you this and um when you develop a show when you Sean Nasseri? Yeah. Is that his name? Yeah. Sean Nasseri. He's the one. He's the one out here in LA who every, from you you name it, they've seen him. He's yeah. the one guy. Yeah. <clears throat> but when you develop a show, like whether it's Ruthless or Legally Blonde, do you get residuals on that show? If you are the originator of a role, of a lead role, do you get like points, like say you would on a record? Do you get points on shows? You should. Is that is that right? Is that you what? should, but you don't. The only way in um in an equity production that you can end up getting what a percentage point of the show or a mm-hmm. back end of the show is if you do a workshop. Okay. Now they're they're actually in the middle of negotiating this right now oh. um, with the uh, Broadway unions and the producers. Mm-hmm. They're uh, they had gotten away from doing a lot. La- so the la- uh, the workshop was where you've had a few readings and now you're ready to do a workshop and get it up on its feet. Mm-hmm. But you haven't quite got the funding or the theater to to mm-hmm. do a mount a full production and mm-hmm. open the show. Mm-hmm. And the workshop really is like work working yeah. through the material. Yeah. So the actors are really... Uh, like, Writing. They're yes, actually they, developing yeah. the characters. Yes, they and, are. Yeah. And so for Legally Blonde, we did a workshop. Mm-hmm. And the agreement was... Everybody in that workshop, depending on how much time they spent in the workshop, shared one uh, point of the show. One motherfucking point. Yeah. (laughs) One motherfucking point. I feel like (laughs) I was a star in the show. I should have gotten a little bit more than that. Um, But we we get that for 18 years every english speaking production of the show uh-huh. and that like that uh, book of mormon did that and that was incredibly lucrative for them yeah. because there was a broadway production a touring production sure. a london production and at one point for us there was kind of that too yeah. um but then they started doing something called a lab and that's where they paid the actors more per week yeah. to do a workshop style thing but they 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 paid them more a week so they didn't have to give them the back end point. Yeah, because I remember when this came up with Michelle, and Michelle, of course, she knows everything. Uh, <laughs> you know, she was. we talked about Andrea McArdle, and we were saying, well, what is she doing now? How does she make money? If she's not on Broadway, how is she making money? And Michelle was... Ab, ab, she she just knew, oh, well, she's got points from, from Annie. She's got points. It's like, I don't mm-hmm. know about that. No, you know? I mean, I, I we were very fortunate with Legally Blonde, but... Um, you know, we didn't do a workshop for Hairspray, and yeah. I was the originator of that. And, like, I go, you know, if I saw that movie of Hairspray, I saw the live of Hairspray, and I'm like, I came up with that line. Yep. Do you know? Yep. And you, it's just, it's almost like you have the honor and privilege of sure. having originated well, the role. that's the thing about Broadway, and, and there's, and I've talked about this many times, there's a certain... Um, there's a certain preciousness about the Broadway Broadway show people, you know, and and there and and it sort of I think it can 
alienate certain audience members. I came out as a theater queen about three years ago. Was it Alex three years ago I came out? <laughs> Something like that. Two, two years ago I came mm-hmm. out because I, I never, and because I see every show, but I never wanted to admit it because there's a certain preciousness that comes, well, you know, this, this, uh, darling, well, I, I did Twelfth Night in Poughkeepsie. Let me tell you about opening night. Opening night. You'll never believe this, darling. You know, it's that thing, you know what I'm talking about? Yes, yes. And so, you know, yes. what do you think it would take for Betty Joe and, and Betty and Joe Beercan to get more on? Let's not forget about J- Betty and Joe Beercan. Let's talk about um, Dylan and Melissa. Uh, everyday young person to want to get involved with what's happening on Broadway. Not as a performer, but just go to shows. Well, I think it's happening now. Um, what's exciting is that they, the shows that are coming out are having a really a real relevancy to our pop culture mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Like with Hamilton, yeah. it had musical re- relevancy, even though not necessarily the subject matter of Alexander Hamilton was uh, something that we were all super interested mm-hmm, in, mm-hmm. but the way that story was told, yeah. that you know, using yes. the idea of immigrants and also having a diverse cast and having hip hop, yeah. like you just drew, and also talking about the most like just dense yeah. lyrics and subject matter. So it was not only smart; it was hip hop. It like. It flipped everything on its head. And yeah. so people wanted to see that. And then you have like the band's visit, which is mm-hmm. also. I never got to see yeah, that. I, I haven't either. <laughs> so uh, I'm uh, on, it's on the list. I was actually yeah. rehearsing a show at the same time. They were rehearsing a show. And like, yeah. it felt like a no brainer. Yeah, I'll go down the street yeah, as yeah. soon as they're in previews. Yeah. But, but there are shows that are really relevant. And I, I feel like anytime I'm involved in a new musical, the big question is how is this relatable today? Sure. And. How are we reaching our audiences today? And what are we saying? Yeah. So while some people want to just go to a show and be entertained, sure. I feel like the Broadway creative community is is trying to actually say something to to get there. You know, it's a it's like a, the Nina Simone quote, which is an artist's duty is to reflect the times. Mm-hmm. I feel like that is what Broadway is trying to sure. to really do. You know. Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, you know, I, I think the financiers' idea of doing that is to do the jukebox musicals, which some do very well. Some, you know, like the Donna Summer one is closing, in, I guess, in January or something like that. Uh, but it, uh, uh, and I guess it'll have a long run on the road, and it has invigorated her music catalog to where people are buying Donna Summer music. Yes, but it's it's an interesting thing. I mean, uh, um, there is. I've always experienced a preciousness around it. I've never been crazy about anything being precious, mm-hmm. you know. Um, when I, when you talk about shows, and we're going to go to break in a minute, but when you talk about shows, do you have favorite shows? And I have so much I want to talk to you about. I'm trying to squish it all in. <laughs> um, what's your, what are your favorite shows? Did you ever see Something Rotten? Yes, I loved it. I love that show. And it didn't stick around very long. Do you think it was too smart for the audience? Or they just didn't get it? What What do you think is those kind of shows? Like, how, why do you think that didn't last as long as a Book of Mormon? Because it's irreverent like Book of Mormon. Was it too irreverent? I don't think it was as irreverent 
Um, you know, you're saying Book of Mormon, which is like everybody's aware of the Mormon right. faith. And so it's kind of interesting. So it's mm-hmm. kind of got that hook. Whereas sure. like something rotten doesn't have a popular pop, like pop culture hook. Yeah, yeah. Um, or it's not a brand name. I think uh, it did fairly well it in staying well. open. Sure. So it got anybody who was interested in theater, who wanted to go see something who had been nominated and actors who'd won Tony's. And that was just a really beautifully constructed musical. So it got all of the theater fans and also people were like, what is good? I think it's just a matter of like, now how do we bring, after two years of being on, how do we bring more people to this? Yeah, yeah. Um, And do you have a favorite show that, or a show that you've always wanted to mount yourself? (laughs) Oh, so many things I want to mount. I know, I know, Um, (laughs) But, um... Yeah, I always wanted to play Lola in Damn Yankees, uh-huh. and I just loved that musical as a child. When was the last revival of that? The la- uh, they did like um, a encore's version at City oh. Center, but the last revival was yeah. BB Newworth and Victor Garber. That's right. Um, when, these encore thing, I'm, I know I'm popping all over the place, but I have so much <laughs> to talk about. When, how do you catch these? Do they regularly do these encores? Encores is like a greatest hits thing where they put they met, they put together a famous show. And how long do these encores run? Well, they I think they rehearse the show in two weeks, and yeah. they run for like a week One or week. a weekend or. Yeah. It's not very long, um, and I might be incorrect about that because they do reprise out here, which I just did Sweet Charity, and we rehearsed for two weeks, and we ran for two weeks. Um, but where, what, did, where did you play? Where was the, what was the venue? It was the UCLA Fruit Center, but the it was like Encore, so it's like LA's version of Encore's. I mean, L, yeah, LA's version of Encore's called Reprise, mm-hmm. and then they get all these. If you know, if you're a Broadway actor and you happen to be living in LA, or you're mm-hmm. a television actor and you want to do. Uh, musical theater and you have a musical theater background they kind of compile these casts wow. to do these shows who else and they, was in the cast with you um, Barrett Foa was in oh, it oh. Um, a bunch of other amazing people yeah 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 um, no, and, no, and, I, and Kathleen Marshall directed it uh-huh. and yeah it was wow. it was um, it was amazing it was an amazing process but the thing with encores they so they'll take a musical that hasn't been done in a while uh-huh. and they'll bring in a director to kind of give it a new yes. concept and even though like people are not necessarily off book or doing full choreography uh-huh. it's like limited sets limited costumes limited choreography but we're going to do something kind of different with this yeah yeah so and what happens sometimes is these productions do so well they yeah. end up actually being revived yeah yeah oh my god I'd love to see something like that we're going to go to break in a minute but we've got Laura Bellbunny we're going to talk about so many things um, I want to talk about Occur oh, which is such an incredible story because you are the originator of Occur and no. yes you are and uh, uh, you know all kinds of stuff Broadway and your new marriage oh yes your newly married have you been married before? No, thank God. I, I, well, this, I guess this would be my starter marriage. This, you know, it just, hopefully it's my ending marriage too. Yeah, you do know? you like him? He's pretty great. Yeah, I actually like him. Yeah. I like him and I love him. Uh-huh. You know, that's sometimes you just love somebody and you yeah. don't know if you like him or not. Yeah. But I actually like him a lot. Oh, that's so yeah. lovely. That is wonderful. We can talk about a lot of things. We're going to go to break. We've got Laura Belboni. We'll be right back after this. Can I tell you, I really enjoy brushing my teeth, my quip, 
Yes! I really do. And I, I don't want to be gross or anything, but it, it's kind of sexy. <laughs> it really is. It's, you know, it's, it's sleek. so, it's sleek, yeah. it's streamlined. It's not like those big clunky other uh, electric toothbrushes yeah. that you, and the, the battery doesn't go out. I haven't recharged mine. Is Me that either. weird? Um, it's I think not it just going lasts. out. No. Yeah. I love it, Michelle. I got to tell you, I'm not just saying this because they're one of our sponsors, but I think it's such a great product. It's such a great gift to give to people. I agree. And one of the most important things we can do for our health every day is brushing our teeth. That's true. Yet most of us don't do it properly. And that's the beauty of the Quip. Rue's not kidding. It's a better electric toothbrush created by dentists and designers. It was designed to make brushing your teeth more simple, more affordable, and even, yes, enjoyable. Mm -hmm. For starters, it is an electric toothbrush, but it's a fraction of the cost of those bulkier brushes while you're still packing just the right amount of vibrations to help clean your teeth. That's why they feel so clean. So for Rue, it's like a sonic vibration. Yeah, and and, and the plaque actually jumps off. It actually loosens the plaque on your teeth so that your teeth become cleaner. Yes, and Quip has a built-in two-minute timer. It pulses every 30 seconds to remind you when to switch sides. It it helps guide you through the full and even clean. Yeah, it's like 30 seconds on this quadrant 30 seconds yep. on that it's great and quip doesn't require a clunky charger and runs for three months at one charge i know i've been going longer than three me months. too i don't even know what to do when it does that <laughs> because it's that good Keep going uh brush heads are automatically delivered on a dentist recommended schedule of every three months for just five bucks three out of four of us use bristles that are old and yeah. ineffective yeah. people don't realize you do have to change the bristles quip is one of the first electric toothbrushes accepted by the ada the american dental association and has thousands of verified five-star reviews that's why we love Quip, and we know you will too. They're backed by twenty thousand dentist professionals. Quip started just twenty five bucks, and if you go to getquip.com/ru right now, you'll get your first refill pack for free with the Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack for free at getquip.com/ru. Squarespace is the company you want to have in your corner when you're making your website. They give you the power to create your website. You don't need nobody else. You are your own person, man, woman, or child. Wakanda forever. (laughs) Making websites never been easier. Rue just said it. You can make a gorgeous website in minutes and you're in complete control. And I have to tell you, there's hundreds of templates to choose from. It's really easy. They have the drag and drop platform, which is like, if I can do it, you can do it. When you're ready to purchase a plan, you can get 10% off with the offer code RU. That's squarespace.com offer code Rue. We are back with Laura Bell Bunny. You know, we're just talking about how Michelle is going to be so jealous that she's not here. Oh my God. Oh my God. It gives me so much pleasure knowing that <laughs> Hilarious. she's listening, just thinking, oh my goodness. And Michelle would have so many Broadway questions about it. And I wouldn't be able to get a word in edgewise, by the way. You know, um, I've said many times on this program that my favorite Broadway musical song is It's, a hard, it's The Hard Knock Life. It's the heart. It's my favorite song. Do you have a favorite show tune? Oh, my You know, people God. always mispronounce. They always say it's a hard knock life. But, you know, it's, it's the hard knock life. Did you know that, Alex? It's called It's the Hard Knock Life. Did you know that, Laura <laughs> Belmont? No, I didn't. Yeah. But I, I had to sing it as a kid, so I probably should. Oh, in music theater you did? Yeah. I mean, I did in a production of Annie when I was like six years old in Kentucky. Um, oh, I like, thought you were from Ohio. Well, that's just across I the was, river. I was born in Ohio. Yeah. And... Uh, 
only lived there for a year because my yeah. dad had a job there, and then my parents moved back to Lexington, Kentucky. Oh, really? So, yeah. Wow. So yeah, but I was raised in Kentucky. I'm a Kentucky Wildcat. Yeah. I'm like you know. I was born in Ohio, but uh, I don't know much about it. But I uh, know a lot about Kentucky. Kentucky so yeah, yeah. Kentucky is my home. And then I spend a lot of time as, in New York as a kid. I'm trying to think of what my favorite musical theater song is. It'll come to you. You don't have to say answer now, but, but you, you're from Kentucky. When did you move to New York? How old were you? I was, well, I. <laughs> the story is crazy. Um <laughs> <laughs> I won a pageant when I was five. Really? Yeah, and I won a new car. Oh, have you ever seen Painted Babies? Well, Brooke, <laughs> Brooke won her car when she was five. Right. No, no, Brooke won her car when she was th- three. Oh, she did, so she beat me. She did. She won her car when she was three. Um, you know, Brooke, you've seen Painted Babies I with haven't. Brooke Breedwell and Asia Manzor. It is the mother of all the pageant movies and all the pageant documentaries. In fact... People, all the pageant, people loving the pageant came from Painted Babies. It's a BBC documentary that from 1995. And this is before uh, a Little Jean Bonnet. And before it was, it had been, there was a taint on the whole thing. This documentary came out. And Michelle and I, when we were doing our TV show on VH1 22 years ago, it would be playing on a loop in, uh, in our dressing room. <laughs> So we would quote it at nauseum, and no one knew what we were talking about, <laughs> but we would just quote it all the time. Anyway, uh, you were in child pet, so how did, did, you didn't get in your car and drive to New York when you were... <laughs> My mom was like, we'll take the money. Um, so I was Miss Peewee Hemisphere. Miss and who? Miss Peewee Hemisphere. Oh my god! And they had enough money for a car for Miss Peewee. Now that Hemisphere? was my that was my prize. Oh my god! A new car. Yeah. Do you what kind of car was it? It was a Chevy Chevrolet, and it and I remember thinking at five how ugly the car uh-huh. was. Like yeah. I, it was a brand new car then. Yeah. yeah. And I thought. Hmm, yeah. I don't really like this one. Yeah. Oh, I know that car. It did not age well. No, it no. did not. It was yeah. silver and um I will you know what I'll send you a picture of my mom in the driver's seat and me standing by it in uh-huh. case you want to uh-huh. include this in your podcast. Yes. Ooh. <laughs> um but um so a couple months after I win, we get my mother gets this call to say Phil Donahue is doing a sh- uh, uh, one of his shows on child's pageants, yeah. children's pageants. Would you come to New York? And she's like, oh, my God, a free trip to New York. Oh, my God, we got to go to Kmart and get uh, new shoes. Oh, my um, goodness. So, so we fly to New York, and we stay. it's my first time ever in New York. We stayed yeah. at the Sheridan Hotel. I went to Lindy's and got some cheesecake. Wow. And we go and do this show. Yeah. And it turns into like kind of an expose where they've got child psychologists there and there's people in the audience going like, I can't believe you're doing this to your daughter. Um, and it wasn't great. And actually it was the first time in my life. I remember feeling, if I look back on it, I remember feeling shame. Oh my goodness. Um, because I didn't know there was anything wrong. Like I was just spreading my stuff. I was straight up little, like I always say I'm, I was John Bonet trapped. I was a gay man trapped in the body of Jean Bonet. Yeah. Like that's why. I, yeah. So I was like working the runway uh-huh. and like doing my thing. And I thought I was cute as hell and I won, you know, uh-huh. like my confidence was sky high. Yeah. Yeah. And we left and it was weird. Yeah. And I remember my mom <laughs> like 
I could almost remember her saying things that were like trying to like self heal the situation and trying to make the light of it. And at one point she's like, well, we're going to do something good out of this. And she marched me over to Ford modeling agency and she walked inside and she said, um, I'm here to see the children's division. Uh My daughter is Miss Pee Wee Hemisphere. Uh We sent a picture in. You guys said that we should come if we're ever in New York. And the guy's like, lady, like, I'm sorry, you have to have an appointment. Uh And she's like, well, you know, we're leaving tomorrow. So if you want to meet her, you got to meet her now. Uh I mean, she was like, like Dolly Parton meets Mama Rose. And so... So he picks up the phone and calls upstairs and is like, there's the crazy lady down uh-huh. here. The kid's kind of cute. Okay. Yeah. So you can go up. And we go up and they sign me to a contract. Wow. Right on the spot. But my father had a business in Kentucky with my mom. Mm-hmm. I was going to school. It didn't make sense to move to New York for a six-year-old, five, six-year-old yeah. modeling career. So we went in the summer. Yeah. So I started going to New York when I was six years old in the summer. And I was doing modeling. And then I eventually started like auditioning for commercials. And then my mom was like, well, we should get you a singing teacher here. And you should study with dance coaches here. And when I was nine years old, the summer I was nine, I auditioned for Radio City Music Hall's Christmas Spectacular. And I got the show. Mm. So I had to move to New York because it was during the school year. So I came to New York and I... I entered into a school called Professional Children's School. Your destiny. Your destiny. Your destiny's child. <laughs> you really are. Oh, I don't think you're ready for this jelly. <laughs> um, but and and so okay, so when you won Little Miss Pee Wee um, <laughs> Hemisphere, Hemisphere did, was your talent singing? Yes. So you just hadn't had a coach at that point. I. What song did you sing? I sang. Uh, I'm looking over a four leaf clover. Uh huh. In a green spandex outfit with four-leaf clovers, uh, rhinestone patches of four-leaf clovers wow. all over it. By the time you won, by the time you snatched that trophy, yes. how many pageants had you done? I think, I think, well, I had done all the ones leading up to that because yeah. there was like a local, a state, and you had to win those, and then and then this was the national. So there's Miss um, Miss Peewee Continental. Right. <laughs> there's Miss Peewee um <laughs> County, right, right, right. and then there's Miss Pee Wee Hemisphere. hemisphere. <laughs> 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 yes, and you and it made design. This pageant was just like Miss America. Yeah, there was an interview portion that was closed doors. Mm-hmm. Then there was like a bathing suit and evening mm-hmm. gown, and yeah. you answered a question on stage, and it was like the and then everybody did talent. And there were preliminaries, and then there was the top ten, yeah. like the fifty girls being. Wow! You know, it, it was everything. Like there's a huge investment, a financial investment for kids to do it. You know, uh, you know, when when I would show painted babies to certain people, they would react differently. Some people would say, "How could people do that?" To you, I'm like, "What? How different is that from from Little League? How totally. different is that from Little League? It's just that in our culture, we think that um, you know, uh, for for girls, it's it's turning them into you know that their beauty is a, but there's more to it than just right that the, the emphasis on emphasis is on the beauty um so my aunt was miss kentucky and semi-finalist in miss america in 1978 what's her name her name is marcia malone bell marcia malone bell, bell. marcia malone bell and so when 
I was little. I watched her video at Miss America over and over and over and over again. And my mom ran a local pageant part of uh, Miss America, like the Miss Fayette County program, Mm. went before I won that pageant. Mm -hmm. So I would watch these women. And basically all I was doing, and I think the only reason I won is that I'm a really good impersonator. Uh Uh And so I impersonated them. Uh And I think that's how I... I won. Yeah. I, I seriously do. No, no, I, I get it. I, I, I get it. You know, you know, I, you know, a lot of people want to reinvent the wheels. Like the wheels have already been invented, honey. You know. Yeah. In fact, there's. Um, oh my God, I'm going to start quoting painted babies. I can't stop it. It's so good. There's so many good quotes from it. It's on YouTube. It's called Painted Babies. Because as I said that last thing, I was thinking this one woman says, um, "Well, it's just competition. Just run from the bus." She's just running from the bus. <laughs> She's competition. Run from the bus. Anyway. Um, all right. So I want to switch gears here because I have so much to talk to you about. Let's talk about what is the character. I first became aware of you because of a character you did on YouTube where you said, oh, and that is where the kids on Drag Race got their occur from now of course it's been taken by the mainstream culture and cardi b and all these people where what's the name of the, that character is it still on youtube that uh, yes show can tell brown show can tell brown yes and how did you develop this character well i had this um <laughs> so i had this little town i created called cooter county oh i love it i played and that's also still on youtube what I, highway runs through cooter county um 29 <laughs> highway 29 it's it's the town next to the town with a good mall oh you know okay. cooter county Cooter County. they got they got a huge meth problem <laughs> um <laughs> you know it used to be so quaint and they're known for their uh, their their industry is crickets. Oh, you know? well, how so can crickets be an industry? Well, because they breed crickets because crickets help to catch fish oh, in course, the river yes. and yeah. uh, you know in the pond, and yeah. so they breed crickets. And the whole joke of that was like I was in I would intentionally do scenes that weren't funny, and then you would just hear. <laughs> In the background, like everything was so dumb. I wanted to kind of create, like, if hee haw were being done now uh-huh. in a small town that was super fucked up. Yeah, yeah. And I was playing all these characters, yeah, yeah. and I, I had this girl, Show Cantail Brown, uh-huh. who did hair and stuff, <laughs> and she, she came into this town. And she grew up in an urban city. <laughs> and by the way, she's a white woman. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, but she she kind of be- believes and feels that she's a part of the urban, urban culture. But yes. she's living in this small town. Yeah. And also, I saw a lot of this growing up in the people in Louisville, Kentucky. Like, yeah. this is how they talk. They talk like real fast. You can't understand what you're saying, blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. And, you know, blonde hair, blue eyes. Yes, yes. So, <clears throat> I... I had started to do all of these characters. And the reason the Okur thing happened uh-huh. was we were all saying it at Legally Blonde. Uh-huh. So prior to this, it was just like in our vernacular uh-huh. on Broadway. Uh-huh. Like we do the bend and snap and we go, uh-huh. Okur. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And everybody was saying it. Yeah. And so when I did this video for Show Can Tell, yeah. which was so random, I went into a Paul Mitchell school. Uh-huh. 
they let me go in there and my amazing gay hairdresser, Neil Robeson, creates my whole look for me for Show Can Tell. Yeah. And um, I'm... I'm just trying to make him laugh. Yeah. And I start saying all this crazy stuff. Like, we specialize in homosexual hairdos. <laughs> I'm gonna, I could attach this to your head in 20 minutes. <laughs> you could use this extension to mop your flow after you don't it. You know, whatever. I was just coming up with whatever was making him laugh. Yeah, yeah. And I just threw out, oh, grr, like a couple times, maybe, yeah. I, you know. In the video. In the video. Uh-huh. So then I was on a label at the time. There was a guy that did videos for the label yeah. and he started editing this thing together and he edited it together so fast. Like, yeah. like we've left the place. Two hours later, he sends me this wow. thing and we're all laughing and think it's funny. Yeah, yeah. And we put it on daily motion because yeah. YouTube really wasn't that big. Yeah. <laughs> like I didn't have a YouTube account. Uh-huh. Unbeknownst to me, there is a guy who rips the video off of Daily Motion, who finds it, thinks it's hilarious. Yeah. He puts it on YouTube uh-huh. and all these people start finding it. Well, I don't realize that all the, I don't realize any of this has happened. And then Perez Hilton puts it on. Right. Suddenly it's got 500,000 views. Then it's like the next week, 600,000. Oh and suddenly goodness. it's up to a million. Yeah. And it's me, and I didn't put it up. Uh-huh. And the only other thing that guy has up is the Chinese New Year. Oh, on his my goodness! Thing. So it was just this crazy thing. Yeah. And then it was it was it was uh, almost cultish. Like if you yeah. found this video, and yeah. really it was mo- mostly within the gay community. Yeah. And I think I told you before, like then I would get these calls if I would show up and come to gay clubs, dress as <laughs> show can tell, and say, "Oh." And like give away free calms and you know whatever. So I was like, okay, because yeah. like you said, gay clubs pay cash, sure, right? Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> sometimes yes. if it's good. Yes, right. Um, so yeah, I was like, that it was amazing. this. It was this, uh, and it was my favorite thing to do because I wasn't being myself. I yeah. could just play this sure. character, yeah. and at the same time, I'm developing all these other characters for Cooter County, but. No other character ever caught right, on right. a flame. And it was so unintentional. Like, oh. it was never an intended. So at that point, I was like, well, shit. Yeah. I got to start a YouTube page uh-huh. for Cooter County. And I got to put all these videos, including that video, yeah. on my page. And then I did um, a video for her uh-huh. <laughs> where she lives in the Holiday Inn Express. <laughs> that one is... And it's called Show Can't Tell's Cribs. <laughs> um, yeah, but how can people find these videos right now? What's the, um, you just put Show Can't Tell? You just put if that If you put in Show Can't Tell Brown, uh-huh. or you put... How do you spell Show Can't Tell? S-H-O-T-E-L-L-E. No, wait, wait, wait hold on. I missed it. Yeah. Show, S-H-O-C-A-N-T-E-L-L-E. Show can tell brown. brown okay and that goes to your your web your it won't YouTube go to page? me it will go to like the cooter county oh cooter county um uh youtube page which ended up i kind of started to change it to become schizophrenic so i could do a, other sketches other things, that weren't yeah. just cooter county yeah um i think it's schizophrenic now but it should still be under as cooter county at on on one of the labels. But. Well, uh, we're, we're going to go to break, but I want to ask you about country music and your relationship to country music when we come back from this break, okay? We got Laura Bell Bundy. Hilarious. I, I have so much to ask you. We're going to be right back after this. 
style. Some of us have it. Uh-huh. Some of us don't. Oh, holla. But just because the sense of style seems elusive for some, doesn't mean it's impossible to attain. Nope. That's where Stitch Fix comes in handy. Yeah. Stitch Fix has reinvented how we find and buy clothes. It's fantastic. All you do is answer some basic questions about your sizes, your favorite styles, your budget, right from your laptop, smartphone, or tablet. Your personal stylist then springs into action, hand-selecting five brand new clothing items just for you. Yeah, it's so easy. And it's the stuff that you don't have to spend time trying to go to the department store or the mall to get. It knows your style. And listen, personal stylist sounds bougie. It sounds like something only the rich and famous can afford, but now you can too, because Stitch Fix's styling fee is only 20 Bucks, wow. Which is actually waived if you keep all five items. And since your personal stylist only uses your preferences to pick your clothes, you're still in complete control, you control freaks. Once your items arrive, you try them on and only pay for what you keep. If you don't like something or you need another size, just send them back. No questions asked. And shipping is always free both ways. Very smart, Stitch Fix. Get your fix whenever you want or sign up to receive scheduled shipments. The choice is yours. We love Stitch Fix and we know you will too. So hurry to stitchfix.com slash ruin get started now keep all five items in your box and you'll get 25 percent off your entire purchase that's stitchfix.com slash rue stitchfix.com slash ru we are back with laura <laughs> bell bunny now during the break of course she had to do the french version of occur which is what blom <laughs> yeah and the occur what was your reaction when you when you started hearing other people like Laganja Asranja from Drag Race and uh, Cardi B? What what was your reaction when you did you feel like oh wait a minute I should be getting uh, royalties off of that? Well, um, I never felt that way when I heard anybody on Drag Race say it or you or anybody else. I was kind of like yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. hey, you know, because these are my people. Yeah, <laughs> like. Yeah. You're my tribe. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, when it became like the Kardashians are saying it, and yeah. now Cardi B is saying it, and she and Jimmy Fallon asked her, like, where did you come up with Okura? And she actually started to take credit for yeah. the fact that she came up with it. Yeah. That's when I was like, oh, girl, no, this word has some right, history. Right, right, And you need to go and figure out where you got this word right. from. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But I, I, I also feel like at some point, words just get in the vernacular or yeah. sayings like... Who came up with Yas Queen? Right. I mean, like, yeah. I can't even tell you. My 12-year-old niece is like Yas all the time. Yeah. Well, you know what's funny is that years ago, tw- maybe in the 80s, uh, a friend of mine was saying, hey, girl, hey. And I was like, I, I'd never heard that before. Now, hey, girl, hey is a part of that vernacular. But that's how things happen, and especially with the gay community, black community, every, everything becomes one. Now, uh, I know you're from Kentucky. Uh, when, how did you get introduced to country music? I, 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 it was Dolly Parton was my, my portal into country music. How, who introduced you to country music? I think my mom introduced me to Dolly Parton while I was still in the womb. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're from Kentucky, and my mom loved Dolly Parton, and she kind of looks like Dolly Parton, and um, you know, yes, I just, I just, hey, people that are listening, I just pointed to big boobs. <laughs> I think they've got that. Yeah. Yes. Um, and so I kind of, I was obsessed with her. Do you have I, a favorite Dolly song? 
Do you know? You know? You know her album. I like. Why'd you come in here looking like oh, that? Oh, I love that song. I love you that. You know, song. I ask people that question a lot, and that comes up. That's my favorite. Is it? it um, uh, Miley Cyrus said that that was hers, and I've asked. Uh, I think um, uh, Rebecca Romaine. I think that's hers also. That one comes up a lot. And that, I was gonna actually ask you about the White Limousine album and the Eagle When She Flies album. Those are those two Columbia records she did in the early '90s where she used other writers because before that she was at RCA and she was at, but those that is because Yellow Roses I believe is on the album White Limousine do you know that album White I don't Limousine? know it well no <clears throat> it is fantastic fantastic so you like why'd you come in here yeah. looking like yeah. that and yes. I like Islands in the Stream oh, yeah, and I like the, the older 9 to 5 I like I like the I like when she was and I was very inspired by this in my own in my first album with Universal was she was actually taking a lot of Motown elements yes. and bluegrass elements and putting them together yeah. uh which nine to five was it's got horn stabs in it horn stab yeah, you know and yeah. like you never really heard a country That's song right. sound like that before yeah, then yeah um but then she was having all of these bluegrass elements and you know i like jo- the song joshua you know where uh-huh. she's like kind of talking and yeah she- in it and it, I mean it's just nobody um, talks on record like Dolly it's so beautiful and there's this sort of heartfelt sorrow in her voice that is so beautiful I have everything she's ever recorded she is a master she is iconic yes absolutely <laughs> absolutely do you listen what do you what do you so you so Dolly was your entryway into it do you listen to modern country today um well I started at like as it as the years went by listening to country radio and like loving Garth Brooks mm-hmm. and loving uh Faith Hill and the Dixie Chicks and Jody Messina and Shania Twain and I loved all that 90s country for mm-hmm. women mm-hmm. um Patty Loveless, mm-hmm. and I loved all of that. You know, I, lo- I love Pam Tillis. I love Pam Tillis. She's fantastic. One of the greatest performers ever. A beautiful voice. Yes. And Emmy Lou Harris. And anyway, I, and I love Loretta Lynn. I loved all of the, I love all those female country artists. Then there, then at some point, uh, country radio, um, there was a time I didn't love it, which was like mm-hmm. early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't love it. I loved it a lot in the, ni- in the 90s. And I think yeah. it was because I was more represented as a female. And there were more females on the radio. Mm-hmm. And then it became very male dominated. Yeah. Um, and then I got into it myself where mm-hmm. like I was making music that and I was doing radio tours and I was doing all of that. Um and then, then I became incredibly familiar with what was on the radio, mm-hmm. and also the people that were the, sure the, calling the shots. Yeah, well, people calling shots, and also the artists. I became yeah. friends with all the artists. Yeah. So then I I felt very close to it, and now I think I can take I can look at it objectively and go, okay, I really like certain artists doing mm-hmm. really interesting things, yeah. and then I hear some artists, and I'm like. Oh, I want to see what else you got on your album right. because what they picked for your single isn't necessarily a representative of who you are as yeah. an artist. And that can happen because yeah. you can get kind of homogenized into sure, yeah. trying to make it on the radio and really 
who you really are is like a deep cut on your right. <laughs> on your it's album. It's so interesting, though. I always think, I'm surprised that radio actually still exists. I, I, terrestrial radio still mm-hmm. exists, you know, because how do people, how does the audience find you if they're list, if they're streaming? Or, you know, how do they find you? I guess people still do listen to... Do your folks still live in Kentucky? Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. In the same house that you grew up in? Uh, yes, my mom still... Ha- yeah. Yeah. She still has that house, yeah. Yeah. Is it weird to go back down there? No. Mm. No, it's just home. Yeah. It's yeah. just different. So- I just lock into a different, you know... I'm different, but yes. I lock into my, you know... Also, what if what about it is still me? Yeah. And, you know, you just get reminded of your roots. Sure. Now, if people are, are, are wanting to hear you on your music for the first time, what album on Spotify should they go to first? What do you think most best represents Laura Bell Bundy on, as a musician? It's tricky because a lot of what best represents me isn't isn't released really? right it's in the it's in the arsenal of things that never got released because yeah. it was too risky yeah um where like i took hip-hop beats and i looped old country samples and then i wrote da- wrote dance songs wow. over them and that was just way too <clears throat> risky for the radio so some of that stuff didn't get released it will yeah one day now you're on the soundtrack to um uh, legally blonde yes the musical that would not be what to listen to no. if you wanted to hear <laughs> I would say there's an album called Aiken and Shaken. There's this great song called Giddy On Up uh-huh. on that. There's also, a my, okay, it's my my inspiration of why'd you come in here looking like that. There's uh-huh. a song, If You Want My Love. Uh-huh. That's on that album. What's and then it called, the album? If you, it's called Aiken and Shaken. Aiken and Shaken. And, you go to Spotify and you can yes, find it. Yes, and... Um, <clears throat> And then there's another song. The one side's for Aiken and one side's for Shaken. Oh my goodness, yeah. I love that. And uh, so those two other songs are for on the Shaken side. And then there's a song called Drop On By. And there's a song called Cigarette. And um, those are my favorite on those yeah. albums. Yeah. And then a, a album called Another Piece of Me. And my favorite up-tempo on that one is Two Step, which does include some hip-hop beats huh. and rap. And and then a song that's my favorite song I've ever written called China and Wine. China and Wine. Yes. China and Wine. And that's on the what? Give it to... Give, that's called Another Piece of Me. Another Piece of Me. That's that album. Yes. Okay, so you, people can go to Spotify and hear yeah. you. Then go to, to uh, YouTube and see uh, uh, Cooter County mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> visit Cooter County. You can go see my Cooter. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> now you're living out here and obviously you're you're working, we're working together on, on uh, a show that uh, I've talked about on here before. It's um, AJ and the Queen. We don't have to give away too much. But uh, you're on that show with me. <clears throat> and, uh, and so you're out here in L.A. What's your life like? You know, you're married now. Uh, you're out in Los Angeles acting and doing things. What is your dream job, Laura Bell Bundy? Do you want to go back to Broadway? Do you want to uh, be in movies and television? What, wh- wh- where do you want to be? I think my dream is to be like you, Ruth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, con- I'm, I'm serious in that. I would like to be the master of my own destiny. Yeah. Do you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm the th- my favorite thing about m- putting up a Broadway show is the creative process mm-hmm. and the building of a character to tell a story. And um, right in the last few years, the 
side of me that is uh, not necessarily a performer, but a storyteller Mm -hmm. has kind of come to the surface and I'm pitching ideas and selling ideas and coming up with television shows. And um, of course, live performing live is performing in front of a live audience, whether it's doing a concert or whether it's doing a Broadway show, there is nothing that feels like that. Mm -hmm. And I will always want to do that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think I'd like to do that and also have been behind producing the show. Absolutely. Um, And yeah, so I'd like to get to a place where I can create my own projects Mm -hmm. and have, you know, yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So, and I'm on, and I'm in that place and I'm starting to direct. I just directed a music video with Anna Ferris and Cecily Strong and Titus Burgess. Oh. And I wrote the song for the video. It's actually this weird barefoot wines thing, but it was an interesting thing for me to do because I wrote this song. Then I got to direct this video with all of these amazing people. And it felt like a glimpse of what, could be to come sure and uh and then also these other ideas that i'm writing i'm writing the music for one um and a creator of the television show idea and the other i'm writer creator executive producer yeah. of another so and you know they're none of them are out and they can't really talk about it yeah. but it's like taking up all of my time good good that's so. the, what that's that's what you do that's what you do you do want to be the the commander of your own ship if you can you know some people can you know just do other things i've found in my life it's important for me to be in part you know involved in the creating i've never actually waited on something to happen or like i don't remember auditioning for something and actually getting it i got something from the audition wasn't that job but i got in the room and those people saw me and thought huh might be good for something else down Mm -hmm. the road right but i don't remember ever Maybe it's happened. I don't remember it happening, you know. But my point with all of it is, uh, is, is getting in the room and, and when they ask you, well, what would you like to do? I tell, oh, I actually do have an idea. I'd like to do this right here. Yes. And then, uh, and then uh, shaping and, and making that happen. Yeah. And I think <clears throat> just on like, just who I am, I'm always come. I'm, I, I feel like my purpose in life is to just come up to be a channel of ideas, whether it's like, here's a great song idea or here's this idea. Let's collaborate. Here's an idea for you, an idea for you. It's like Oprah, you get an idea, you get an idea. Now see what you can do with those ideas because not, not every idea is precious or usable or whatever, but I love to be able to be in a place where I can cultivate those more. And I totally agree with you. Yes, I go on auditions all the time and I got a great agent and a great management team that looks for opportunities for me and I love it and it's exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. But if I really want people to know what it is that I do, they're going to go, she's the blonde girl from Legally Blonde and that's what she does. Right. But there's a whole other part of me that does X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And if I don't create it to show them what I can do, they'll never see it. So I... I just don't wait for anybody to yeah. 
decide when it's my turn. Yes. I just make it my turn and they can come to the party or not. That's right. You know, and sometimes nobody shows up to the party. That's okay too. Party for one ain't bad. (laughs) Yeah. You know, at least it's a party. Yeah. Well, you know, the story you told about going to New York and and the Phil Donahue thing at that, I think that, I think that's a show. I think if you could play your mother in that thing and it's about, I agree. I think it's a fabulous thing. The whole thing of getting this call, having, winning Miss P, we hemisphere then getting the call from New York we want you to come to New York we're going to New York we're going to Phil Donahue and then to find out it's a friggin setup it's a it's a it's a, a booby trap where you've been trapped into this thing of like what I'm doing what and then that turns into we got a modeling contract from the Ford modeling agency I think it's a fabulous right, and these show two people which by the way if I told you the stories of like you know I saw my first hooker at eight years old <laughs> And I'm like, Mom, what's that lady doing? And she's like, she's doing things that you shouldn't do till you're married for money. And that guy over there, that's what you call a pimp. I mean, like, I'm eight years old and she's telling me this shit. Um, and I never forgot. I've been obsessed with hookers ever and since. Yeah, I hear you. And, and why not? Yes. Yeah, and New York was just, it was New York in yeah. the 80s, oh, the mid 80s. Wow. And this apartment we lived in at like 31st Street was right across the street from an abortion clinic. Oh my and I was like, again, mommy, why are those ladies crying? <laughs> She's like, well, well, you know, then she's got to figure out how to tell me what that is. She hasn't yeah. even told me what sex is, yeah, you know? And yeah. so I knew though, you know, I yeah. knew I but had no, seen, I've seen the movies. Yes, of course. But just the concept, we're going to break in a minute, but the concept this, of this mother and this daughter in New York for some type of a musical, there's something there. And then, you know, and oh, um, act one is, you know, is, <laughs> love you. is, is the, is at eight, uh, the Phil Donahue act two is the following year when you were able to come back again. It's like same time next year, but it's with this mother and daughter and they grow up in, um, in these different, fa- three different phases of the thing and whether the daughter is going to continue in show business or, you know, I mean, it, there's, just, my well, brain there's is a just... gypsy of it, right? Yes. Um, yes. And I yes. always, by the way, you <clears throat> asked me like, what's my dream role? I'm not ready to play it yet. I'm not old enough to play it. I'm ready, but yeah. I'm not old enough yeah. to play it. It's Mama Rose sure. because it's my mother. Yes. And I so intimately know this woman yeah. and I know that my mom feels like she created these opportunities for her daughter for her daughter but I also know it was for her and then I also know as an adult woman now who spent all this time as like managing her daughter Mm -hmm. who is now back in Kentucky not with me Mm -hmm. while I go on to pursue Mm -hmm. there is a feel part of her that feels like she She's not living. Do you know what I mean? Because the because the height of her life was like out with her daughter on these adventures, doing these things, kicking ass. And then I was like, "Thank you, mom, and your job is done here." And it was like, "What?" And we went through some growing pains there. I mean, we really I had to go to a lot of therapy and you know whatever. Um, But I, I just and also just of the there's something very much about the the. A, a woman's journey in that time period, like 
So my mom graduated high school in 1972. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until 1974 that a woman could open up a credit card without the permission of her husband or her father. Mm-hmm. She's from Kentucky. If, you, if you're a young man, you can get a scholarship to go to college if you're an athlete. Mm-hmm. If you're a woman, you can get a scholarship to college if you do pageants. Sure, yeah. So this was what she was like, this is my ticket. I'm mm-hmm. going to do this, and this is my daughter's ticket, and my yeah. daughter's going to do this. I, it was her way to provide opportunity, mm-hmm. but she so lived through yeah. what she what what the environment and the culture did not allow a woman to do. Yeah, it's an incredible story. I, I, I think you have to tell this story. I think <laughs> you really do have to tell this story. We're going to go to a break. We've got Laura Bell Bundy. We'll be right back after this. Squarespace is brilliant. You're looking for a website? Well, look no further because you can create your own beautiful website to your own specifications by going to squarespace.com. So many of our listeners have done the same thing and had so much success. We get so many letters from people. In fact, we have a letter now from someone who has had great success with Squarespace. Yep. Uh, hi, Rue and Michelle. I think I couldn't hear you both discussing Squarespace one more time without taking the plunge <laughs> using your Rue scout and building a new site. I work for a Savile Row tailor. Ooh, Savile Row, fancy. Yeah. We are 198 years old, but you've never looked better. Oh my God, we're the same age. 198 years old and we do things traditionally. Our website was about 13 years old. Drag queens have come and disappeared into the annals of time, just like season one of Drag Race. Where can we rewatch that, by the way? <laughs> Since the last time the website was updated. So after convincing the owner of the desperate need for a new site, I offered to do it myself for free and that I had a friend who could get us a 10% discount. <laughs> Enter stage left, RuPaul's discount code RU, and drag and death drop or two later, that pun never gets old. Bob's your uncle and we have a new website. Oh my God. I wanted it to feel different to other bespoke tailors. I wanted the color to lift from the screen and for the handwork, the hard hand, and for the handwork that goes into the clothing we make to be apparent in the handwork on the website. So I think with Squarespace, I managed to do it. Managing the site is simple. Getting help from the support team is simple. Enjoying the website is simple. If only life could be so <laughs> but the site works we've been bringing in new customers signing up people to the newsletter taking more inquiries than ever before and having so many more adventurous customers walking through our doors so while I sit here listening to the kingdom choir just going on with me and my bad self on a rainy Saturday afternoon manning the shop I thought I should write Rue and Michelle to thank them for the encouragement to do just do so step forward get on with it and make this new website next time you're in London come visit us and challenge us so thank you Rochelle it's nortonandsons.com co.uk that's nortonandsons.co.uk and his name is alexander i like alexander i do too you could tell he's very clever and i'm gonna go and see that place yes when i go back to the uk because we're going to be there very soon yes what a smart man yeah really smart ah i can't wait to see the site yeah so if you guys want to do it just like alexander did you can get a free trial with no credit card required just by going to squarespace.com when you're blown away and ready to confirm a plan use the offer code rue and get 10 percent off you'll be getting a great deal and helping to keep what's the tea free thanks again to squarespace and keep sending in your websites to rupaulpodcast at gmail.com that's squarespace.com offer code ru we are back with laura bell bundy we are we're strategizing her career because you know i mean i look at and i hear the story of your life and i think of the bits and pieces that would make a great show a great movie a great television series you you did your first gay pride at 10 years old what city was it new york in new york the, the best gay pride, in oh my, my opinion. Oh, um, I know LA is a really great gay yeah. pride. But um, 
What did uh, you do? What so did I you... was doing Ruthless at the time, right. which um, was, you know, was it was all of these off Broadway show, off Broadway show yeah. in the Village, yeah. in the early '90s, and the the man it was a, a part of a woman. Um, kind of like in a very John Waters way, yeah. was played by a man. Uh-huh. And... Who was that? Joel Vig. Joel Vig. Yeah. And because I remember the show was all the talk of New York at this time. Everybody's talking about Ruthless. And uh, how long were you in it? Mm. Because it was... It the ran, entire run. The entire run of the show you were in. I remember people talking about it. I never got around to seeing it. Yeah. But it was down in the village uh, over by NYU? Is that yes, where it was? Yes, it was like a block away from NYU. It was at the Players Theater yeah. on McDougal. It's where the Fantastics used to be, right? No? I think it's uh, one block south, or two blocks south of where the Fantastics okay. were. But on the same, that was also, I think, on McDougal. But uh-huh. that was like past Bleecker. But this was right above Cafe Wa. Mm-hmm. Remember Cafe I remember Wa? that, yeah. Um, so this was, so at a certain point, like I'd be leaving for the night and you just start hearing this raucous music and they would let me in at like 10, 11 years old. They'd let me in the cafe wall. And when I was like 16, the owner still remembered me and they would let me in and I wasn't 21, wow, but they would let me in. That's great. <laughs> hey. I knew all those places in that. They all remembered me. Yeah. So when I was a teenager and I was like trying to uh-huh. pretend I was older than I was, yeah. like I would just go down there. That's fabulous. <laughs> that's fabulous. It didn't matter. They didn't serve me. But so I got so to go in. Ruthless had a float in the in the gay pride parade. We um, there is a big stage, and I think it was at Union Square. Uh-huh. Um, this is what I remember. We performed on the stage, uh-huh. so I didn't. We didn't do a float. Uh-huh. We performed on the stage of the launching of it, mm-hmm. and. <laughs> And then there was this amazing show that I was obsessed with <laughs> that was going on at the time called Pageant. I vaguely you remember, remember oh vaguely. This is like, this would be, this is almost like if Drag Race was happening nightly uh-huh, in New York, uh-huh, okay? Uh-huh. So it was a pageant, all drag queens, and each representing a different yeah. state. And the audience would vote. And so it was a different outcome every time. Oh it was my, my favorite show. I spent my 11th birthday there. I was obsessed with the show. Wow. And so some of the, the ladies from pageant were there. And I do recall them just like throwing condoms <laughs> into, the, <laughs> into the crowd. And again, I was like, balloons. You know, like I just did not understand. <laughs> What was happening? Yeah. And again, my mom was like, well, you know, just the education I, I got. I'm falling and, in love with your mother. And my mom also told me when I was nine and we were and we were moving to New York and she knew I was doing a musical, Radio C musical. <clears throat> she said, well, I think it's time that I told you that sometimes... Men love men and women love women. Uh-huh. And you're going to see this and it's okay. Yeah. You know, and like my mom for being a conservative Catholic from Kentucky, yeah. which is Catholic from Kentucky. Yeah. I'm going to say Christian, but yeah. she was really very open and, and from her pageant days had uh, some of her closest friends were gay men. And so, but she was trying to explain this to me because she knew that I was going to be around. Yeah. Uh, 
this culture. You know, I'm, as I'm, you're talking, <clears throat> it's becoming more and more clear that your role, the role that you have been born to play, is this character you create that is your mother. It's almost like Travels with My Aunt, where, you, you know, like same time next year, it's little vignettes of the education of this little star, this little starlet through her mother. And it is, it's a modern telling of Gypsy. That's exactly what it is. It's a modern new, it's not a, it's not plagiarizing. It's a, a, a contemporary story of a, of a Kentucky mom who is, who's, who's brought her child up through the ranks of show business to New York and is educating her in a way that is all, and also educating herself. And it's beautiful. Oh, she was. And we had no money. You know, we, because New York was so effing expensive yes. compared to the cost of living in Kentucky. Yeah. And my father was at home and running this business. And my mom would leave and come to New York with me. She'd have, you know, there were no cell phones. She would have to pick, you know, have a ton of quarters. Just yeah. A pocket full of quarters to yeah. stop at a payphone. And call the agency to get the go-see and have a bag full of crap that could be used for a modeling job. And I was eating hot dogs off the street and we were like heating up cup of noodles and beefaroni and spaghettios. What's your your mom's name? Lorna Bell Bundy. Lorna Bell Bell Bundy. Lorna Bell Bundy. Lorna Bell. She's now Lorna Bell Bundy Jones. Ah. but yes, she's Lorna Bell and I'm Laura Bell. And, and so tell me about the Bell thing. You guys have three names. Is that the middle name? So it's my mom's maiden name. So my mom is Lorna Ann Bell. Uh-huh. Um, and so when she got married, she became Lorna Bell Bundy. Yes. So Bell is my mom's maiden name, but I, I've taken it as a middle name. Yeah, no, it's beautiful. It's, it so we don't have shelter. the E on the end right. because it's Bell as a family name. Yeah, no, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. What do you think she'd think of this idea of you creating a show around her experience in, uh, you know, bringing you up through the ranks of show business? Oh, she'd say, honey, sit down. I've got stories. I mean, she would just... <laughs> And then we would, and then we would divert to some subject we couldn't talk about yes, or cover. Yes, um, I'm like, stay on track, mom. <clears throat> stay on track. Um, but there, she, you know, she always says when she talks about it, like, oh, I could write a book, and I have these memories of, I have memories of her crying because we didn't have money or convincing this work you know there wasn't craigslist and she's got this paper and she's trying to look through the classifieds to find a sublet for us to live because we've yeah. been staying at the milbourne hotel every night spending too much money oh my and goodness um not being able to eat out and so she's thinking her money's running out and we only have this much to get an apartment and we can't find anything affordable and so she reaches out to this lady and my dad's philosophy was always ask is the most powerful three-letter word yeah and my mom is remembering this and this woman tatiana is uh she's like uh listen it's going to cost two thousand dollars for you to stay at this apartment uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and my mom's like i don't have two thousand dollars i only have one thousand dollars please let us stay here it was a nice building it had a doorman and uh-huh. my mom just didn't you know, with a six-year-old, didn't want to stay in like a shithole. And Tatiana was like, okay, listen, I will let you stay at my place if you allow me to come in and stay here every once in a while. I come on the weekend. Uh And if I have that, I let you pay $1,000. Yeah. 
So she did it. Yeah. And then, and then randomly, Tatiana would slip in. Now, uh-huh. Tatiana wouldn't tell anybody, and uh-huh. she'd sleep in the closet, and we'd oh, find her in the closet. My goodness. I thought you were going to tell you she had clients there. <laughs> well, the other thing that happened is my mom one day was, I guess she was making the bed, or she uh-huh. was doing something, and some wrappers started to fall on the ground. They were... They were condom wrappers, uh-huh. and she lifts up the mattress in between the, the mattress from the box springs, and there were <laughs> of condom oh my god, a layer of condoms, just, just a con- uh. not not the condoms yes, themselves, just the, the wrapper, the outside wrapper. Yeah, yeah. Now I didn't know this story at the time because I didn't know what that was, um, but I, that was also when my mom was like. Uh, telling me now if you put a little bit of baking soda on your toothpaste it's better for your teeth Uh and i remember trying to brush my teeth with baking soda and it was just salty and yes gross and gross yeah and but you know you have these and i also watched um uh george michael's i want your sex video for the first time on Uh, the tv of course (laughs) that would you would you allow your children to get into show business would you do the same um I wouldn't push my children into show business. Do you I mean, feel like were, you were pushed? Um, <laughs> I would say that not all of those opportunities would have been like, hey, mom, let's do this. Uh-huh. Um, what I believe I was destined to do was the musical theater and the creative element. I didn't love the modeling, but at the mm-hmm. time, you know, strutting my stuff and doing sure. the thing was fine. I found what I think along that journey, I found what it is that I do. And... Um, I think, I, I believe, this is a weird spiritual belief, but I believe that before we come into this life, we pick our parents. I do too. I do too. And so I, I, this was the mom I picked to get to be on this journey. Sure. I think for my own kids, if there was a genuine interest in, you know, the arts, yeah. music, I'm yeah. going to cultivate the crap out of that. Yeah. I may not put them in a position where they th- where that artistic expression is released into the world as a child mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because it worked out for me it didn't work out for all my other friends sure and um, I kind of like Ron Howard the way he handled things with Bryce Howard who always mm-hmm. wanted to be an actress and he was um you know, saying, I don't want you to be a child actor, even though she wanted to be Mm -hmm. like he was, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but I want you to be a great actress and go to school and do the things and become a human being Mm -hmm. and know who you are and then arrive. And I think that's the way I'll feel about it. Yeah. Um, no, I think that's very, very but, smart. But, you know, talk to me in 10 years when I'm like, oh yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> little Betsy's, yeah. you know. Yeah. Do you guys plan She's on She's on having, Broadway. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Do y'all plan on having kids? Uh-huh, we do. And because you guys have been married for just a, oh, a little over a year. A year and a half. Yeah. yeah. And um, how did y'all meet? We met through, uh, we met through a mutual friend. I had done a pilot and uh, this woman, Michelle, produced it and she knew Tom, my husband, and uh, she and I were getting coffee at the Four Seasons, which is here in LA. I was mm-hmm. living in Nashville. Mm-hmm. It was not a place I normally go, but it was a. It happened to be meeting in the middle, so we went there. And he had a meeting with Chris Matthews from Hardball, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he was producing at the time 
he was running Steve Carell's television company. Uh-huh. So he was meeting with him for something. And he saw Michelle. Michelle saw him. He came over to the table. He talked to us. He had his meeting. He comes back again. And then later he was like, hey, tell me about the girl. So she tried to connect us. It didn't work because she spelled his name wrong on the email. So when I emailed back, it bounced back to me. Mm-hmm. And then a couple months later, we ended up getting reconnected. But um, he's very funny. And um, his humor is definitely what... Uh, hooked me for mm-hmm. sure, but he's great. Oh, that's yeah. so lovely. That's great. He's you wonderful. Deser- you deserve the best. You are such a joy and so bright, and you you are destined to be a. You are destined for the star that you are. Well, oh, you're so sweet. Thank you so much, my darling. It was <laughs> wonderful. You. It was really fun. Wonderful. All right, guys. Until next time. Bye. Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? Can't love yourself How in the hell you gonna love Somebody else Can I get an amen And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes If you can't love yourself How in the hell you gonna love Somebody else Amen